0: Hi, I'm Katarina, and this is Sound Effects, a music and mental health
1: podcast. Hi, Kitty, can you hear me? Okay.
0: Yeah, I can hear you. Can you hear oh, me? Oh, perfect,
1: perfect. Oh, are you okay?
0: I'm all right, thank you. Well, I, I mean, I've been obviously reading on on what you've been doing and everything, and it sounds so interesting. And okay. I love that. Um, I mean, I'm going to talk about this with you in in detail, but I, I love that. Um you're doing something on hip-hop because I've been, um, it's so funny because when I started this podcast I guess I was maybe more focused on rock initially, it Mm. wasn't deliberate, I think it was just because that's kind of where my fandom is more, like I've always been a fan of guitar, rock music Mm. and so I noticed a lot of the kind of contradictions between that message between you know sex drugs and rock and roll and the kind of problems that ensue with like drug addiction and um yeah you know that myth the rock and roll myth really where things that are purported to be fun and rock and roll are actually quite sad and depressing really and mm. um, and also how music really helps people through so i started with that and then as time was going by i realized actually You know, music expands and encompasses so much more than that. And I have always had one eye on hip hop because there is so much, I think anyway, and I'm sure you'll go on to explain, like the connection between um, the passion that people have for hip hop and how it really helps people with their mental health. And the only thing I've ever seen written explicitly about it was hip-hop psych who you you said you you know those guys as well so um just for the the listeners i'll explain that hip-hop psych are like a collective of academics aren't they they work Mm -hmm. at oxford uni and they're hip-hop fans and they basically research and insight um into the impact of hip-hop on mental health so i'm imagining that's kind of where you come in in terms of your interest in hip-hop
1: yeah (laughs) yeah but basically, I just grew up listening to hip-hop. I obviously get into it as the podcast goes. But um, I just grew up listening to hip-hop. And I loved it so much whilst being classically trained musician as well on piano. My brother was a massive fan as well. And being classically trained musician as well, there was a lot of classical elements of hip-hop as well. And I always kind of hoped and wished of hearing these tracks live performed by an orchestra. I always wondered what they would sound like live. So it wasn't until my second year of college where I was growing up as a musician. I, I kind of got into production big time in my second year of college. That's what I wanted to be—a composer and a producer. And this was what sixteen years ago now, because I, mean, I was seventeen now. Well, I'm well, not seventeen now; it's seventeen head, obviously. Um, I got into production hugely, and that was kind of my calling in love that I wanted to be a music producer and a composer for films and games and so forth. And Whilst I listened to hip hop, there's still that classical element of of hip hop being used. Mm -hmm. And um, I always kind of wished and hoped and wondered, like, what would that sound like with a live orchestra? That'd be amazing. Mm -hmm. Um, So it wasn't until seven years later when I was 24 that I think, you know what? Why don't I start my own hip hop orchestra? Because the whole idea came back to me again, Mm -hmm. thinking, no one else is really doing something like this. Why don't I just have my own hip-hop orchestra? That'd be amazing. So what I'd done was I kind of put the word out there through social media, which is when Facebook like first came out. This was doing the MySpace as well. It was amazing. Oh, right. Yeah, Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I loved MySpace so much. I loved it. <laughs> I miss it. You still
0: um, have a MySpace page.
1: Yeah, I, sort of, well, I still got mine up somewhere here. <laughs> but, you know, I've that. I actually checked mine quite recently, actually. And, um... I can't get into it now. It's, it's so outdated now, but this was kind of during the MySpace days and when Facebook just came out yeah. and Twitch and so forth. So I put the word out on social media thing that I'm starting a hip hop orchestra. This is what I'm looking for. I'm looking for musicians, DJs, beatboxers, such and such and such. If you're interested, get in touch. Whilst I did that, I would also kind of scout London as well, look for musicians, like live musicians as well, to attending uh, business events as well, because whilst I was kind of researching as well, I realised that obviously I might already need a rehearsal space and a couple of other bits as well. And whilst I was researching, I came across one of the best companies i ever worked with called Somewhere2, who are no longer around anymore, unfortunately, but they were beyond incredible. They were kind of like a society company under this company called Liberty, who worked a lot with youth. And this company, Somewhere2, would work with, I think at the time... 16 to 25-year-olds, and they would get them uh, spaces around whichever area they were based in, whether it's London or up north somewhere, Newcastle, wherever it might be, to get them um, a free space to use. So I approached them a few times, see what my idea was, I need a rehearsal space, Um, is this that you can help me out with, I'm 24, this is who I am, this is what I'm putting together. Unfortunately, I never heard back from them when I put the word out to them. but I knew that they were going to be at this business enterprise um event in I think it was at the excel at the time At the stand there so I went there spoke to a guy called um Joseph Gray who still to this day, one of my best friends um approached him and said to him then hi um hi um hi there I'm looking I approached you guys a few times with my idea but unfortunately I've heard it bad. he goes oh brilliant. I'm so sorry about that what's your idea said to him that I'm starting a hip-hop orchestra this is what I'm looking for is this something we can help out because he first of all that sounds amazing yeah. here's my personal um card take this I'll help you out with you so literally I think that evening or the next day I called him up saying hi Joe this is Joe, um, George from yesterday um it's something we can arrange because it's brilliant so come down we had a meeting and then I think within a week or so I think it'd be less than that had uh, a free rehearsal space all the members that I needed and from there things just just blew up really from there
0: Amazing. If I can understand so the way what I've understood of it is that yeah. so you were you were tradi- I think you, you were a pianist, weren't you? Mm, yeah. I was a pianist and composer. So you were classically trained when you were younger. Is that how yeah. it, it was? Exactly,
2: and then, yeah.
0: And you found that um these particular songs that you were playing, um that you because I, I read that you wanted people to get more interested in classical music yeah is it that um you brought people in to sort of add a hip-hop influence to the classical songs or creating classical versions of hip-hop songs or both I
1: actually <laughs> both actually um but actually like you said though because i like classically trained I did forget to say, actually, like growing up, what I'd also do was i will kind of freestyle piano on top of different tracks as well. Oh, With yeah. like hip hop to R&B to disco, whatever it might be. And the reactions I would get from people was amazing. Like, how the hell did you do that? That's yeah. incredible. And I'm, I'm adding something on top of things that people weren't always expecting. So even when I was younger, I knew that there was something there along those lines. Um, but obviously back then, I didn't quite know what it was until many years later. But... Like I say, it wasn't until seven years after I finished college that this idea of hip hop orchestra came to fruition. Like I'm thinking, hold on, I've got something here. No one else is doing this. Let's do that. So what I would do was I'll take classic trap hip-hop tracks and I'll remix them in a way that I was more classical, and then go back into hip-hop again. So I'm taking these tracks that everyone knows and kind of deconstruct them in a different way, and then going back to the original ways. Mm-hmm. So I'll take these. Classical instruments from violins to violas, cellos, whatever they might be, and then building up to like a kind of like film soundtrack-esque way, and then drop the beats with DJs or whatever it might be, rearranging. And them. people go, oh my God, this is amazing. And I remember our first ever event that we done six weeks after we actually got together through somewhere too, actually, um, at an art gallery called Ebb Flow in London somewhere. I forgot where it is now. Um, but part of that event was these young entrepreneurs would come forward and they would, or the um, organizers of the event somewhere too, they would always introduce the event, see who I am. And those also allow these entrepreneurs to kind of express themselves and describe who they are, what their business is, and what they help to achieve out of it. Mm-hmm. So when I met, so we had people like who were doing knitting to uh, clothing lines to tea bags and so forth. I think there's only three or four of us. It was a small event. Uh, it was r- made such an amazing event, and obviously a lot of people came down to see it. But part of that event was me obviously coming forward and so Look, I've, I've started to skip pop orchestra. And when I explained that I want to kind of mix the best of Beethoven with things Dr. Dre, for instance, everyone laughed at the idea, thinking, what the hell is that? but I thought I was like, just watch what's gonna happen, watch what's gonna happen. So came back later, and for that event, I did two tracks. I did Kanye West Amazing. And Cypress Hill's rock star. Mm-hmm. And like I said I did a, minute, I did a minute ago, I um I reconstructed them in a different ways. So I have like a really classical um intro with like a lot of beautiful strings and piano and bass and, and the DDD doing of scratching, and then the vocals would come in or the drums would drop and everyone, and then everyone's reactions just went, oh wow. <laughs> and then you see like nodding their heads and singing along with it and after the Austrian track, they couldn't stop clapping and cheering. And they, I think that's what I think exactly what I was looking for. Yeah, that reaction yeah. right there was amazing. And when it came up to you afterwards, I was going, how long have you been together? I going, it said six weeks. I went, what? Wow. Six weeks? It's like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so six, and then from there, I was just um, which will hopefully be into later, but since then we have just achieved so much from like giving TED talks to winning awards to for BBC 1 extra the major artist and the journey has been incredible ever since and i'm, I'm so thankful for that whole opportunity
0: yeah i will definitely come back to that because I, yeah. I really want to speak to you about the tedx talk and the, and the one yeah. extra stuff Thank i just you. wanted to focus on on what you just said there with um about well um how so it strikes me that that's a very hip-hop thing that like, mm. um the idea of taking samples of different things and putting them together in new imaginative ways mm. and um and which is obviously what you did and, and I was wondering about the um the mental health element of that because obviously there's there's a strong mental health thread going through what you do and I wondered about that um that aspect in particular of sampling and taking extracts. Cause when I think of hip hop and please excuse me, cause I'm I'm not very knowledgeable about hip hop other than obviously the, the obvious tracks, but what I have understood and I think is incredible is the way um, things are sampled. Mm. And it I, it strikes me that they're very deliberately sampled like the types of things that are taken like, for example, um, if I think of like Hard Knock Life, for example, mm. um, and the fact that, yes, it comes from a musical, but the concept of that, of, of living a tough life mm. and that being sampled, is that all part of, is, is mental health basically embedded within the concept of hip-hop in and of itself?
1: Oh, I think so, actually, because it obviously evolved from slavery music into jazz, to blues and so forth, and each kind of music, obviously hip hop is a lot of poetry based as well so <clears throat> it's a chance for you to kind of express yourself through music you are actually talking and, and getting your message across that's what it's based on your your life through music you're showing you're showcasing to people that sometimes that I've got a hard life like as I mentioned over the hard book life I've got a hard life and I'm I'm kind of showcasing to you what I've been through and this is what hopefully you making it open up to a whole brand new horizon. And that's why hip-hop is so, so powerful. Not so much now, unless you go for the independent artists that no one knows, not everyone knows about, but if you really went back to the origins of hip-hop, where it came from, and the message that they portrayed through music as well, it's incredible. And it's just a, a very powerful way of people to kind of express their feelings, and get things off their chest, and make something better for themselves as well from it. Mm.
0: Is that is that how you got into hip hop? I know you said your brother introduced you. to So yeah. Did it have that impact on you?
1: Yeah, because I've been very fortunate enough to come from a very really, uh, comfortable background. Yeah, it kind of opened up my horizon to how other people lived as well, whether it's from a poor background or, or even successful backgrounds. Yeah, I I'm a really, i am lo- love stories. I've always been obsessed with stories and the rappers or MCs or limited to actually tell you their stories through music, which is why I, thought I always loved. And that combined with powerful music behind it as well, I was just instantly drawn to it as well. And the things you learn and the stories you hear about as well is something that I was instantly drawn to, which is why I loved it from day one. And so you've got the people like Tupac as well, and those kind of artists who are telling you their stories from different backgrounds. is something that I've always been instantly drawn to, which is why I wanted to kind of, even with the classical music as well, you hear of these tragic stories as well, the classical music as well. And it's just, it's just matched instantly. I mean, you think of classical and hip-hop sort of two completely different genres of music, but yet when you put them together in the right ways, it's like peanut butter and jam. It just goes together so well. <laughs> I did not think of that bloody hell. Wow, that's incredible. Which is why, like I said earlier, when I did that first event, when i mentioned that i want to take the best of both worlds of hip-hop and classical beethoven dr dre everyone laughed instantly thinking just in my mind it was so clear like so obviously clear of what, what did she yeah. with it but not everyone gets your visions of things yeah and so i thought okay i'm going to showcase you guys to, to you guys in a minute Watch what's going to happen and then like i said earlier when i showcase those first couple of pieces like instantly i was just drawn. i thinking that's exactly what I'm to achieve to it so both genres have got a lot of similarities between them yeah they're very different obviously but yeah very similar at the same time they just work so well together
0: yeah that sample that you just mentioned of Beethoven and Drake is that is that something I could play a sample of like on the podcast like to exemplify what you mean is that yeah in
1: fact a perfect example actually would um Actually, this track called If These Walls Could Talk by Mob Deep. Because um, that, what that does, that sample's for release, which is obviously one of my favorite tracks of all time.
0: be snitching on me dragging me in the court and if i had a wife
1: most be Up my ass or another one actually one of my favorite tracks of all time called paparazzi by exhibit and what that does that samples um a track called pavan by gabrielle forer i think his name is. but that's a beautiful track he samples this but yeah he's talking about his life through this mm-hmm. and it's incredible pavan and the, the, track, the original track called pavan but the visit um hip hop first called um paparazzi exhibit. And it was all kind of to like, thinking that would be so good done by like, live by an orchestra. That'd be so so good. It's just perfectly made, ready made for you to play live. Yeah. And so it's just it's just obvious. It seems so obvious in my mind to do that.
0: And so you 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 go on tour, presumably, with your hip-hop orchestra yeah. perform. Yeah. And is that um would that be for typical events or like functions or is it more targeted towards kind of youth? Um, And yeah, how how does it work?
1: We've just done everything. And we've also done festivals, do private private events, even weddings as well we've done. So it's it's such a broad thing we can do with it. It's brilliant. And luckily as well, although it's it's called the hip hop orchestra, we've actually done R&B as well, R&B nights to... Anything like Destiny's Child Nights as well, Beyoncé Nights, those sort of things. And I remember our last event actually um, at the end of 2019 before lockdown happened was actually in the French Alps.
2: Right. For a major
1: event, we did a major festival out there, we won the headline acts. And oh my god, it was one of the best nights of my life. It was incredible. So called the Rise Festival, and we this massive stage behind the mountains behind us. And we did um, Destiny's Child and Beyonce night, and <laughs> oh my god, the reaction the crowd was incredible, and it was so good. And that's why I love it because you could take these tracks that everyone knows, like from for instance, crazy in love to Formation, whatever it might be, or Build 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 by Destiny's Child, and you kind of change them up slightly with the orchestra behind it, yeah. and everyone just goes nuts. You got he's like thousands, we got hundreds, and sometimes thousands of people like singing back and dancing having fun with it it's just so good and then another event we did actually that same year called el dorado still one of my favorite events as well um same thing actually we did this just on and beyonce and it's during the day but everyone's just going nuts Think each track and it's just so fun when you're on stage performing these tracks to everyone and sometimes your original tracks you're and see this reaction from people with uh, come back to your mental health thing like i said earlier, it, it kind of allows people to kind of escape for a little while as well, which is why music is so powerful, because everyone goes through struggles all the time. Everyone goes through struggles at some point in their life. You get this, a trap for every feeling. You want to go through, whether you're happy or sad, or you think thought about something. There's a piece of music for that, and it just allows you to get your emotions out of there. And sometimes talk about it as well, and allow you to just escape for a little while, whether it's an hour, hour and a half, a couple of hours, even something shorter than that. And that's why me as a teacher is why well, I get so sad when things like music are cut from schools yeah. because they think it's not important enough. I mean, I, for me personally, because i got dyspraxia as well, I really struggled badly at school, badly, badly, badly. And as much as I love education and knowledge, I'm obsessed with it. I fell out of love with school when I was growing up and knowledge because, you know, at home I would be reading books of what I loved school would would force you to kind of learn in a way that's suitable for them like you must learn this way or basically shut up and get on with it or you're kind of deemed as stupid Mm -hmm. you know i know people that are so clever Mm -hmm. so intelligent yet school kind of kills that love for educational creativity Mm -hmm. and that's why when i became a teacher that i didn't want to teach in that way I want to teach in a way that they would love it they would love the subject of music and be creative and and teaching without that them learn because as we know there's always seven billion people on the earth not everyone learns the same way obviously mm-hmm. so i would take that extra time to find out how they would learn like oh, okay you learn visually you learn the audio ways you learn the videos whatever it might be and music is one of those subjects where you can be so creative, you can get your feelings heard. Mm. If you're not good at talking to people, you can play your instrument or you can... Uh, I've heard people that can't talk properly, they can sing amazingly well. Mm. And that's why music is one of the most powerful things in the world, it's free as well. Mm. I mean, music is free, but it's like you don't need drugs to be happy or Music is there. It's, for me, is one of life's best drugs, if you put it that way. It's just a free drug that makes you feel so good no matter how you're feeling yeah. there's a piece of music for that for that, and um, by the end of it it can make you cry it can make you kind of get your emotions out there but you just feel so good by the end of it that's why i'm obsessed with it yeah yeah well,
0: i know that um you you can music is pre-verbal so we, we hear it in the womb yeah. and uh, when i was um researching this book For a recent article, I spoke to a few um, music psychologists who were explaining, as young as 27 weeks, um, we learn to, we adapt our audio first before visual, and um, we can actually memorize or remember what we heard in the womb afterwards. So there is something quite primal about the experience of music Mm. and that it has a direct physiological impact on our heartbeat. And um, yes. so our heartbeats uh, match the BPM of the yeah, music. Disc, I think
1: it's disco or dance where, like you said, that our heartbeats match that, which is why we're kind of drawn to that sometimes. But yeah. if you, take, you go back to caveman days, where they were starting with those kind of things, sticks and stones, playing drums with that, and obviously animals can make drums something like thousands of years, thousands, sometimes millions of years ago. And like I say, it's very primal where it comes from. So it's kind of like inbuilt for us to actually play music somehow. So it's it's already there like ready-made for us to play.
0: Yeah. So I think Mozart was quite, as you're talking about classical, Mm. Mozart was quite as as an example of the BPM. If someone's in a state of hyper arousal, Mm. it can reduce their uh, heartbeat. I thought I, I might just mention... I don't you you already know, don't you? I'm a psychotherapist. You probably already knew that. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. this is why I'm just saying in terms of the music therapist, because I'm a I'm a talking therapist, but a lot of the music therapists that I speak to tell me about this stuff. And I just think it's fascinating the way it works, absolutely like, and and connecting it to what you just said about music education. Um and your experiences of having dyspraxia, um, I was just really curious about, like, for you, what did you notice happening at school, um, in relation to that? What what was going on there?
1: Yeah, well, apart from maths, which is so linked to music, as you know, with the timing. Actually, a lot of people don't actually know this. You must know yourself, but. Music and math uh, math are so linked together because with, with you're counting bars, you're counting, you're constantly dividing up numbers or counting. Or So for me, math was like, my, like a second love for me. I've always been able to sit with numbers for some reason. But apart from that, I would realise that every other subject I would struggle really badly. Badly. I mean, you would tell me something simple, whether it's through geography or science. And I, I just want to understand, and thinking everyone else is. Getting this, but I'm, I'm like sitting there going, am I, am I, am I stupid? Like I, I, don't understand this. And even when they would like say they would take the time to help me, I still wouldn't understand it. Mm-hmm. So it's like kind of fitting a, a square into a circle. It just wouldn't fit for me. Yeah. And I was really struggling, thinking, I? I was quite really upset, and depressed, thinking, am I? I love learning, but I don't understand what's what's going on at school. I, I don't get this, and. My mind would just fill up with like loads, like about a million thoughts going into my head. I would struggle. And obviously, as you know, through dyspraxia, for those that don't know, it's like a kind of brain development disorder where things like memory or coordination, those sort of, and speech, those things are badly affected. So I would everything that they would be teach, trying to teach me, I wouldn't understand it. I would really struggle yet through music and math, my two favorite subjects. I was thriving those because they were so matched together. But everything else, I just I couldn't grasp it because it's just, my mind was just just kind of, it's like a, like an engine revving like to full capacity, like it was like going like like revving to its maximum. I, I couldn't get it, so I just really struggled and I hated school because of that.
0: Yeah, it's yeah. so sad, isn't it? It's such a shame because, as you say, you can hear that you had the passion there. Yeah. You wanted to learn. And it's very saddening to know that, that that's not met with an equal passion back to, to yeah. help. And, uh, yeah, but maths and music was was different.
1: Yeah, because, like I said a minute ago, they're so intertwined with each other because with music... Without people realizing we have like different kinds of notes, for instance. So each note that we use are different direct different lengths. So one we call like for instance, a semi brief is four beats, a minimum is two beats, a crotchet is one beat, a quaver is half a beat. So you're literally, whilst you're reading the music, you're counting at the same time with both hands, the piano. So for instance, when I hold that note for four, it's one with two. And you're literally reading and counting at the same time. So your brain is just going zzz, with numbers, so that's why I love numbers. Yeah. So when it came to math, I was literally okay. I'll be t- top of the class. Like, yes, something yeah. I'm good at now. <laughs> They'd be like, okay, what's what's ninety-two 90 to the power of three like that? I'm like
2: how the hell did you get that? Like, <laughs> It
1: is, there we go. So, I'm like working out, like, oh, got it. There we go. So, it worked out perfectly. So, that's why I loved it because I was good at it. I was like, my page was just full of equations, which were working them all out. Yeah. I tend to rain man right that time, like, there. You're done. <laughs> <laughs> so, those two subjects were like my favorites. Yeah. And, um, I just had a kind of knack for remembering numbers as well. So, it's just really helped me. So, yeah. that was used for me, but everything else, I've as much as I love those, the older they get with like that history as well, and science, I just, yeah, like I said earlier, I just struggled really badly. And that's why me as a teacher, when I see a student really struggling with something, it reminds me of me at school. Mm-hmm. And like I said before, that as well, where schools don't always have the time to, or sometimes don't really care that like you don't, you, you don't learn. I would take the exit window like, okay, you guys, class, you're going to work on this for a minute. And I go, to, and then they'll work in a group, for instance, where it might be. I would stick, like, one-to-one with a student, and okay? you're okay? Like, I don't understand. Okay, let's work out together then. So I would kind of use examples that would work for them, like, whether it's, like, games or visually. And you just see their face, like, going from being dropped to, like, "Like, oh, I get it now. And then there we go. Brilliant. Okay, I'll let you do it by yourself now. Okay, you got it? Yes, brilliant. And then I'll come back, okay, um, Mrs Savides. Oh, look, look, I've got this now. <laughs> yes, oh, yes, I no. so you, you got it. And you see their face brightening up. And yeah. me being a teacher, that's something that I've always loved as well. I like, see these kids improving. You get the kids that are obviously tremendous from the get-go. They just pick it up like that, which is amazing. And, obviously, but just, and I, I love that as well. I just see these naturally gifted students just working on music or whatever stuff it might be. But uh, equally, I love it as well when I'm helping those who don't quite get it, but I just spend extra time just to see how they work and then build up their confidence. And they come back to me with like pretty much four marks in the tests or whatever it might be. I think, yes, yeah. it worked. I love that. And that's why I kind of wish schools would do a bit more now if they can, it's just, if they're obviously schools are just manually busy, I know it's completely hard, but if they could just kind of help out a little bit more in, in terms of just maybe having a little one to ones or whatever it might be, just help these students that really struggle or mm-hmm. not just push them to the side, but actually motivate them and get them and um, feed them that love for knowledge, which is what I've got now. I love knowledge. It's just, like yeah. you know, it kills that knowledge for, for a lot of students in that school. That's why a lot of kids hate it. and yeah, just hope we can change it one day.
0: Yeah, well, you've got you've got quite a strong youth element there because I know your hip hop orchestra. Mm. You've now got a podcast as be. well, and it seems to be, if I understand correctly, it's targeted towards youth mm. more than anything in schools. Yeah,
1: yeah. So I got a brand new one as well, which I just started actually recently, which one wanted a love to talk to about afterwards as well. But as a, as an extension of my orchestra, I want to start a podcast called Hip Hop Orchestra Presents. Mm. And reason, one of the big reasons why I started it was, A, I love podcasts. Like a, a lot of us, yeah, I'm obsessed with podcasts. That's one way I learned to. love to read. Reading is my favourite, but podcasts I'm obsessed with, equally obsessed with. Mm. And people would um, always ask to see the same sort of question, how to get started, when, why, what was your kind of thought behind it? What did you need to do in order to create it? So, you know what, I'm actually going to start a podcast. To kind of showcase that idea of wired and ask all your questions, whilst also explaining the and showing you like that behind the scenes moments, because as a lot of people, actually a lot of easy was people think what we do, whether it's being a psychiatrist like yourself or counselor, or whatever it might be, or a teacher, that what you do is easy.
2: No,
1: <laughs> no, no, no. no. <laughs> Can anything just jump to work or something stage perform and then leave? Yeah, you couldn't be further from the truth. I mean, you're, you've got years of hard work and training to get to that level, mm. and people think, "Oh, you just turn up on stage, play your instrument, and you leave." Mm. And I, I kind of, in a way, got annoyed by that. Kind of, it kind of not not offended me, but in a way, it did because. To get to a, a higher level of anything, whether it's sports or psychiatry or psychiatrists so or whatever it might be, it takes years of dedication to, to get there. People don't always realise that. I oh, thought you just turn up on stage and play to leave.
0: Yeah, exactly.
1: Really? <laughs> okay, I wish, I wish. All right. <laughs> but but yeah. I wanted to kind of showcase that, like, we had to work our backsides off to get here. Yeah. And not everything goes smoothly. I mean, it might look like he's smooth on stage, which it is for the, for the most part, but you don't see like the sound checks or the technical issues or when things break or when people don't turn up or when people are ill or things go wrong. You don't actually see it. You just see the final product on stage or on videos or the tracks or whatever it is. Yeah. And so I wanted to like, kind of give a glimpse of what we do behind the scenes. Like, this is what we do. This is how, how hard we work. Yeah. And we're like a family because there's a lot of times on different podcasts, actually, where I call my members family those members of the group that I don't care about, I adore each every single one of them. Um, They're so loving, they're so caring, they're so so funny as well, Well, they're so funny and we have banter and they're so incredibly talented as well. Mm -hmm. And it just makes everything so much easier as well when you work with such amazing people as well. Mm -hmm. So this is why I don't like to take credit for what I do because, yeah, I work hard, obviously, really hard, Mm -hmm. but it's down to them as well to showcase what I've put out there, they could easily not turn up for stuff. Mm -hmm. I hate working for you or "or working with you, it's not working for me but I hate working with you, I could just leave and go home. But for them to turn up for rehearsal, then perform with with a smile and having fun with it, it's just it brings so much joy to me and I'm forever thankful for every single member that I've got part of the orchestra Mm -hmm. and it just makes things so much easier and to the podcast, we I've spoken to every multiple members as well, sharing their stories as well, how we met, their behind-the-scenes stories of how they got to where they are as well. And I've also spoken to a lot of the people that I've met along the way as well, whether it's um doctors or psychologists or grammar-winning composers or whatever it might be, or other musicians as well. And it might network if it's expanded out to different people as well now. So I've met new people through them as well. and to hear their stories of what they've gone through and to also learn that there's such nice people as well they've achieved so much yet yeah, they've they went to sit with you for a while just share this story with, with you and, and the audience it's just so amazing and it's just my new addiction now so <laughs> podcast is the way forward i think
0: and this this family that you describe all the members is it mm. kind of like an open group where new people can join at any point people can leave or they do different things or is it a kind of set uh, group that that works together on everything
1: it's actually a uh, bit um, um, mixed actually so people are always willing to join uh, because there's a lot of us now what i i got, obviously, they're all core cool members to me, obviously, but I try my best to kind of rotate as well. So uh, it's like a football team, basically. Can't use, um, I try and give everyone equal opportunities if I can. I feel so bad when I can't, but I've got to change up a little bit. Yeah. But yeah, I feel like I kind of need to in order to make sure that everyone is obviously happy and doing things together. So I kind of rotate when I can as well. They're all core cool members. I wish I could use every single one for every single event, but... So we've got like a bigger one, I try to use, use as many as I can. i have got like a smaller event, I might use like a few, few people. And it's just, yeah, and luckily if, if, they, if they, so I call up it, it's not available, then I've built up a network of members that I can just say, oh, okay, that person can't do it, are you available? If they can't do it, they know someone else. So we just built a team now of amazing people now. So I kind of do my best to rotate to give everyone a chance if I can. <laughs>
0: So this is, you know, this is an example, I can really see how much work goes into that. I mean, mm. you know, one one person trying to organize that, I imagine that's not easy. And at the last minute, people drop out or something goes wrong or someone's ill or uh, someone's voice is affected. And you've got to think about all the logistics and the cost yeah. and all of that. So, yeah, you, you can easily see doing something like that is as much as it's coming from a place of passion and love and you enjoy it it is also hard hard work Mm, and not easy to just yeah as you say you don't just click your fingers one day and suddenly you have an orchestra
1: (laughs) yeah exactly Yeah. Yeah. yeah i mean it's happened before actually i'll give you an example actually of um or a couple of examples actually i remember um we did a performance at the ministry of sound club in london and on the morning of the performance, our cellist dropped out because she was really ill. And mm. uh, so I was, on, I was in the, in the, in the taxi on the way there with my equipment, thinking, oh, God, this is like the worst time to do this now. So she goes, Le- leave it to me. I'm going to try and get someone for you. And luckily, I think about half an hour, hour later, she's technically gone, I found someone for you. Yeah. So I called the guy whilst I was doing all my like, admin behind the scenes and our first sound check. Part what I've learned as well is, never let the person know what you're going through like they organize your <laughs> event <laughs> like, like yeah everything's fine the way, but it's all good but in my mind I'm thinking oh shit 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 shit, shit. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> <sorry for laughs> him, by the way <laughs> but, uh, away.
0: Swear yeah, away.
1: thank you thank you <laughs> but in my, mind, in my mind I'm stressing the hell out but I'm like everything's fine everything's perfect don't worry, thank you so much so after we did our admin and stand and so forth, quit the guy, he says, oh, this is Georgia from the orchestra. Are you free? I'm, I'm free. I'm on the way there right now. So whilst on the way, I sent him the music. Think of thank God for technology Think that Dropbox and so forth. And then watch that. Sent him the music. He he, he he actually learned it in the car actually while I was on the way there as well. Oh. That's right. And to talk about years of practice as well. He could, he could um you could cycle in the track as well. I just played it, and so we got there. All went amazingly well. And after, I was like, oh, "Thank God for that." <laughs> I, and another thing is well, actually, as well, um, which we'll get into later. Actually, hopefully, is well, Roger my TED talk? Actually, I must save that see, see it for later. Actually, that's one oh. of the moment. But yeah. 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 yeah,
0: well, well, let's let's bring that in then because you you mentioned this TEDx talk. I'm really intrigued about yeah. it. Like, what? Um, how did that come about?
1: Yes, yeah, so a few months uh, that year, actually, uh, a few months earlier, um, we had the chance to perform at BBC One Extra uh, at Maineville Studios in London. And the funny story actually, because during that moment, this was six years ago now, I think 2015. Mm-hmm. So we were together a couple of years at this moment. I actually gave up the orchestra at that moment mm-hmm. um, because things weren't happening. It's an industry where people always reach out to you to work, but then ignore you. Constantly, like here's a new job for you. Then ignore you. Like it's my fault. Like you reached out to me. Yeah. Like you got ignore me now. Like yeah. this kept happening. And even, even when I was trying to reach out to people for more work, things weren't happening. I was getting ignored. I think you know I can't do this no more. So about a week later, after I gave up the group, I got an email from BBC One X, just saying, "Are you available in two weeks' time for, for a first show?" Or not sure, like like a, like a um, filming station, like a day's filming in madeville and because I tweeted um, <laughs> about a week ago through the orchestra website, um, uh, orchestra's account, I actually said to them, or oh, I oh, quite a long tweet saying, like, unfortunately, not around anymore. Um, da-da-da-da. been the best bum of our lives, but thank you so much to everyone involved. But I kept open up, my, I kept our social media pages open just in case, because. I kind of had a feeling something was going to happen again, I didn't want to delete everything just in case. I kept it all open just to make sure. I think what I did because literally, I left my email on the on the bio of the of our account. Um, got an email from BBC One X saying, "Hi guys, um, we love your work. Are you available in, in a couple of weeks' time or well, two weeks' time on this date for a day shooting in um, medieval studios?" And I had to kind of make out like. We weren't broken up. So um <laughs> give you- <laughs> so me like, hi guys, give two sex. So I literally called all my guys to get like, oh, it takes too much we rang them and said, guys, are you already wanting two weeks' time for this? They're like, yeah, yes, we're around, we're around, yes. So yeah. he went in back and said, Yep, yeah, we can do that, no problem. So um a week later, he sent us the uh, set list or tracks he wanted, mm. and within five days, I had I was written up. All the tracks that already sent them to the guy. They practiced over the weekend. This and this, I sent the tracks on a Friday evening, if I remember, or Saturday morning, and come that next Monday, mm. got down there to little Studios, and the whole film crew were there for, just for us. Oh wow! Uh, and I was like, wow, this is really happening. So we had a quick sound check. Bear in mind as well, actually, everybody you see on that video, we had one rehearsal for all those tracks on that day as well so no rehearsal before that literally that day one quick run through filmed it and all the videos were this is how good my guys are by the way every track was just done in one take apart from i think p's and q's which i messed up on twice <laughs> but i'm such a perfectionist though even though it sounded fine i don't know stop 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 no sorry let's do it again sorry because me, I'm such a perfectionist that uh, even if it's slightly off in any way like let's do it again. It's my fault. So it's like again. So I think the third take on that one was brilliant. And to talk about pressure at the end of it. It's just me and the track playing. I thought, please don't mess up. Please don't mess up. Please don't mess up. Because it's we so perfectly. I didn't want the last bit to go wrong. But it all went so well. And it's just one of the best moments of my life for them to actually approach us and then film us and put it on their platform yeah. as well, which is amazing. And we were, we work with some of the most amazing MCs like Jevin set who's one of my best friends, actually, shout out to Jan um uh, Jammer from BBK, as one a couple of AJ Tracy as well. And for them to work with an orchestra as well for the first time ever as well, you see yeah. the end reaction by thinking, wow, you guys are amazing. Yeah. Wow. And that's what I loved as well. Like people that weren't expecting it were loving it. You take the classic tracks, rearranging in an orchestra way, yeah. and their feedback was just incredible. And you see all these comments afterwards. You know, we, we all know how honest YouTube comments are. Like, it's like
2: yeah. but
1: every single one was like, "You guys are amazing!" "Oh, amazing!" Like, yes, yeah.
2: <laughs> yes. Um,
1: and so th- since then, actually, uh, Ted approached me actually to give a talk. I like, think we saw your BBC Will Exercise. we saw your work. Amazing, would you love to give a talk? And funny story, actually, literally a year before that, I think almost to the day, I bought myself a book, which you might know about, called How to, How to Talk Like Ted. Oh,
2: yeah,
0: I've heard, of yeah, I yeah. heard
1: of it. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, so I bought that at, at an airport, I think, somewhere. I'm thinking, oh, I saw it in the airport and then bought it when I came back. Um, I love Ted talk. Not I don't Watch any TED Talks for a long time now but I was obsessed during that time I watched so really thinking um, I said to myself I'm going to give a TED Talk one day I just know it I want to give one so I bought this book studied it back to front yeah and literally like, a year later got the email saying to want to give a TED Talk and think oh my god it's actually happening
2: <laughs> and
1: uh, <laughs> so I mean so I've never replied so quickly in my life like uh, yes 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 so raised a meeting with the organizer of and to love love you to give a talk and a performance. Um, so I spoke to my guide, got the date, which is actually my mum's birthday actually. So I give her a shout out on that day. because um, they like they live, live streamed it as well. So I give her a shout-out on my birthday, on her birthday, sorry. Um, and it's, about, it's about three months preparation for a talk and performance. Mm-hmm. And as part of the whole package, they give us a mentor to work with as well. Because um, this was more for the, for, for the youth to give a talk, like a TEDx talk, which is amazing. And um, I think it was a mentor, we had like several meetings like, as a whole group as well about how to approach giving talks. Because I, I gave a, a few talks before that, but not to a TEDx level mm-hmm. or a TED talk level, which is, as everyone knows is, is incredibly high, like 20 minutes worth of content
0: mm-hmm.
1: to, or 10, 15 minutes, whatever it might be something for some people. To memorise that and then to let it flow like a conversation is incredibly difficult. Mm. And so we would have many meetings. I would, I think my original talk was, because I was so engrossed in what I was doing, I had so much passion for it. I think I spoke for half an hour and like, wow. we love your passion so much, but because of the time limit before I cut it down. So we cut it down, we kind of picked on a few moments like the classical, the hip hop, my distraction to what the talk was on, um, kind of disability with the music. Um cut it down, took a few pointers, worked on that, structured it really well. And so I just went back with any free minute that I had, I would practice it, like talking to my phone, which is a big thing because no one likes to have my voice, no one does. But I would <laughs> walk around my house, like literally when no one was at home, I would just talking to my phone, record it several times, listening to it back, and I think, okay, I like that part, how I said that, didn't like that, didn't like that, didn't like that. I would work on it constantly until I got to a level that I was happy with. Um, I think I worked so much on that, plus being a teacher as well, plus one of the orchestra that actually got pneumonia during the talk. Yeah, I was severely ill during that talk. I kind of pulled it off But I was that morning was a nightmare. Mm. I mean, I went back and forth with the hospital several times. I didn't know until afterwards. Um, kind of the symptoms I was getting was it was horrible. Basically, they just said to me, "Oh, it's just a little, it's just a chest infection. It's nothing. It's fine." But I was going, I was going through like a health nightmare. Like I was throwing up blood, to passing out, having night sweats, and. It was horrible, but I got to the talk, just cleaned myself up, mm. and um, did the talk. Mm. Kept my, <laughs> I was more worried about not passing out, rather than the, the actual talk itself. Yeah, because um, yeah, that morning, I was literally throwing up that morning
2: oh, of the God.
1: talk badly. I was I ended up being three hours late, because we meant to get there first thing in the morning at nine in the morning. Mm. But my head was in the toilet, just throwing up. And I, I couldn't move. My mum was going, You're not doing the TED talk, you're actually not going to do it. I said, But
2: mom, you don't understand. It's oh. TED, it's TED.
1: <laughs> I gotta go. So, <laughs> so I got all that him, cleaned up, had a shower, and then went down there. Like, so I'm so back. I, I acted like, All right, guys, I'm back, let's go. And then I think what stressed me out even more as well was the night before that we had um, a sound check with the orchestra uh, to add even more stress to the talk, which is a- another reason why I was watching my podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, the original plan of my TED talk was to do two hip-hop, classic hip-hop tracks. Um, forgot about Drake into Superman or vice versa. with was like, Dr. Drake, Eminem tracks, massive tracks. Performed it. had a sound check. It sounded so good. But then he organised Everyone loved it. Um, then he organised it. Pulled me to the side goes, can I quick well with you? I think, oh, no, what's going to happen? It's like, like a headmistress. Pulled um. to the side she goes, that sounds brilliant, by the way. I think. he She goes, but we can't actually use that. I was like, what do you mean you can't use that? He goes, I told you in the email. And you never sent me any email about that. She goes, because of copyright reasons and because of streaming it, we can't play that track I told you. And I said, you never told me anything about that. If I knew about that,
2: yeah, yeah. I would have
1: not done that, obviously. Because I like to think that I'm a, I'm a very organised person. I check everything very thoroughly, very thoroughly. Mm-hmm. And she never sent me any details about that. So I went back to my my group. Not everyone could make it because of work, but I went back to those who could make it. I said, a bit of bad news. We can't actually perform that track. But thank God, they're like, honestly, don't worry, it's fine. Uh, What's the plan, though? Mm -hmm. Um, I said, luckily, luckily, I had had an original track already written out. So what i done was I had it all saved in my Dropbox. So what i done was I emailed the whole group saying, okay, guys, I can't apologise enough. We've, there's a change of plan with the music. We're doing this one now. And I told everyone who's playing what part. So you're doing this, you're doing that. I'm doing this, da-da-da-da. And we met up, I think at midday, had, we all, we all got changed into our, into our gear, had a sound check And um, behind like, backstage quick sound check and thank god they picked they just picked up like that like it was nothing Think, like, oh my god and my my the stress just went from up here down to here immediately thinking oh thank god for that so it's moments like that and we walked instead and i did my talk first brought the guys out afterwards performed and yeah it's just a dream come true and people don't realize how much work actually goes into it people give like best man speeches. Like I went in thinking oh my god like how did you do 20 minutes mm. I did like I did like five minutes with a paper in front of me with and I couldn't do it but yeah. you memorize the talk and then perform like how the hell did you do that like yeah. it's just work like obsess, obsession of work and being yeah. perfectionist which is what I think everyone needs
0: is that, is that still available to watch on like YouTube? Can people see it? Yeah. Yeah,
1: Yeah. yeah. Um, so if you type in o- Overture to Classical Music, it's got Overture to Classical Music. But yeah, it's just to this day, one of the best days of my life. Um, to give a TED talk, which is not something that not everyone gets a chance to do, is incredible.
0: of the ted what was
1: the message of the ted talk that the, the audience took away do you think yeah so i briefly mentioned a little one ago actually I, my talk was on um disabilities in music right, yeah. and so i spoke about part of the talk was about how the greatest composers had some form of disability whether it's um brain injuries or through strokes or bm being paralysed through certain reasons, or whatever it might be different um, scenarios, then I spoke about myself, that I'm dyspraxic. Mm. Yeah, I've achieved so much to the orchestra, and if we can do it, so can you. That's kind of the the brief message, Mm. um, that everyone is going through something, sometimes you don't always get to see it. Like I've got like a a mental disability, like I I wouldn't call it that, but it kind of is. and yeah, if we can achieve such amazing things through these, and then so can you. I want to make it really motivational that anyone can achieve anything just with due determination and hard work. Mm. And because not everyone knew that I had this, but I just I just got on with life. Like yeah, I find it hard, but I'm not worth to complain about stuff. I just want to get on with it. Yeah, it's hard, but I'm gonna I'm gonna outwork you mm. because I know you're better than me. But I'm gonna outwork every single one of you to make sure that I'm doing better than you. Mm. Yeah, I could of have in my mind said, like, I'm going to outwork everyone in this room to get to where I want in life. I don't care okay, how hard it is, I'm going to outwork you. Mm-hmm. That's part of my <laughs> talk. And it came, of course, I hope, really well. And yeah, there a couple of little bits I forgot in there. But I would, like I said, I was, I was too worried about not passing out rather than giving the talk. So it's see the talk was done, performance. Just went home and I slept I think, for things about two days straight. <laughs> I didn't wake up, so you didn't
0: yeah. get sick anymore. No more,
1: no, problems. no, no, no. no like, that's what I was worried about not like, being sick or passing yeah. out. But I was still ill for about another two weeks after that. But yeah, mm. I just had to like just act it all off, like make it funny and motivational and easy to listen to. And mm. they loved it, I they loved it. I got a lot of comments after some people and like mm. such a good talk, I didn't know about that. Yeah, loved
0: it. Fantastic. Fantastic. And it shows the dedication as well. Like you you, you were vomiting just moments earlier. Yeah, you literally literally minutes before, before
1: that. Yeah. That's what
0: passion gets you. That's what passion does. Um yeah, really this is really fascinating. And um I've been deliberating whether like whether to do an episode where I'm looking at hip hop mm-hmm. and I have you and then I speak to I I can't actually get hold of the guys but I was wondering about whether getting hold of hip-hop psych and then speaking to them too and having Mm. a big episode on hip-hop and mental health um, or keeping this as a an isolated podcast with you specifically about the hip-hop orchestras I haven't figured that out yet? Yeah, probably it will be a, it will be an isolated episode only because I I can't get hold of those guys <laughs> so, <laughs>
2: so,
0: um, but I think what I I would like to do is to keep returning to this theme mm. um, because I do I do want to focus on more than just one genre and more than just rock and roll and and I I, I do care about diversity and and um I think that hip-hop is is a huge um there are massive fans of hip-hop and and the connections with mental health are huge and as you say mental health and disability and it's it's making me think in a way one thing we you and I share in common is that we are Greek Cypriot we well come from Greek Cypriot backgrounds both born in North London um and I was thinking about like actually when I thought about it how many People within the Greek Cypriot community are hip hop fans. Yeah. R and B. I've always felt a bit like an outsider in that sense because I've always been in this kind of guitar yeah, world. No, I love it as
1: well. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
0: It strikes me though that that it's huge. Uh, um, hip hop is huge in the Greek community, and so I kind of thought, well, actually, maybe I'll I'll talk to you about this. Like, why do you think that is? in our community why hip hop
1: i don't know i think because i don't know i'll say like because a little group like, hmm i think because hip hop is kind of street music mm. in a way but i think it's, it's your surroundings as well that's what you're growing up with so like my brother you were both fixed here. everyone knows London is like garage and R and B hip hop it seems like yeah but yeah I'm very much like you where I, just, I love all genres. Um, I love rock as well, though. Mm. But it's, I don't know, I think it's just the, your surroundings of people like what you've grown up with and what other people listen to, like you kind of want to join them in that in that sense. Like they love hip hop, so I must love it as well. And I think yeah. it kind of forces not forces you, but it kind of leads you towards le- like a, a certain kind of th- something. Mm. But yeah, if you like something else, like rock, like we both do, or guitar with, whatever it might be, the things that upsider and maybe they make they might make fun of you for liking that as well. Mm. But I don't care like, what I like. It's what I like, what we both like. Mm. And music for me, music is music, whether I like it or not, whether it's jazz or, or well, I don't like jazz, but um, I love music as a whole. I don't care what genre it is. It could be classical to hip hop, to garage, to rock, to reggae, to reggaeton, to dance. I just love music for what it mm. is. And like we were saying earlier, there's music for every feeling. Mm-hmm. And you should, I don't think you should just limit yourself to one genre. It's, music is such an incredible thing. Mm-hmm. And I just I just love music for what it is. And I think it's just because everyone else liked it. that like, okay, I just like it as well then. Mm-hmm. I think that's why we all have fixed it like hip hop and Gary's itself. And I love it as well, obviously. But I just yeah. love music as a whole. <laughs>
0: If I share some of my thoughts on this, and obviously I have no, I have no idea how scientifically accurate this is, but yeah. I have a theory that, I mean, not many people, because this podcast is, is you know, the audience is quite wide-reaching, so a lot of listeners won't be Greek and maybe don't know much about uh, the history of of Greek Cypriots, and I actually think that there is something at the heart of it around the history where Mm. especially for Greek Cypriots who came over to the UK as a result of war Mm. we're ultimately quite a I can never pronounce it properly diaspora we're Mm. we're, yeah Mm. so um first of all during like the the first and second world wars we we spread out across the world so a lot came over to the uk that's when my grandparents came over Mm -hmm. i'm just saying this for the benefit of the audience i know you already know this (laughs) Uh, uh, we um yeah we spread out to the uk australia uh, South Africa those were the those were the three main areas and then some to America as well we basically spread out all over the place didn't we and then the, the same then there was like a second or third wave during 1974 um, when there was the war in Cyprus um there was uh, obviously the invasion
2: yeah. of
0: Turkey and so w- there was a second wave of Greek Cypriots that came in now I know I'm part of the first wave because my, my grandparents came here in the, uh, I hope I got the dates correctly, it the would be the 40s. Mm. I don't know whether you were, were you the second wave in the
1: 1974? No, I was asking if they actually, because my grandparents came over I I think sort time as well, um, I think it would take a few years. I can't do the exact dates, but they came over at uh, that same sort of time, they up the, their housing business here, so I, I've always obviously known North London That's where I've been born and raised. here. So I've, I mean, I'm exactly the same as you. That whole situation, I know exactly what it's like. Both of us.
0: Yeah. And I, I have a feeling that there's something about that that speaks to when you said that hip hop and R and B are kind of it, there's something about it that's quite street. Yeah. There's something about hardship. Yeah. And a community and a collective of people who've experienced um, a kind of trauma in a way, because I, I would just, from my therapy mindset, I, I consider it a, a traumatic experience to, you know, a transitional experience of people migrating en masse. Um and all this stuff about identity and repatriating and finding community. And I think sometimes the messaging in, in the limited knowledge I have of hip hop, mm. I can see how the messaging of hip hop songs connects to people um, through that hardship and community. So that would be my little theory. Yeah, but you know what,
1: it's actually, it actually makes a lot of sense because... Like I was saying earlier is like you've got that kind of street mentality of and you know a lot of Greeks as well they try and be all these tough guys and they want to be, be gangsters and all that kind of stuff, which is obviously what not not me, but it's kind of got that mentality behind it where you're hearing of other people who have suffered kind of similar things, traumatic events and and obviously they a lot of these hip hop songs, especially the old school stuff, where they'll say of terrible things that have happened to them as well. And I think Wow. I um, but I've heard there's a couple of there's one song in particular stuck out to me for years, even to this day, where uh, the story behind it, the rapper was talking about things I don't really want to talk about on the on the podcast, obviously, but
2: right.
1: then it flipped at the end and he told her like it was him that did, did what did it. I thought, whoa, where the hell did that come from? Right. And because like, you think you talk, you're talking in third person about what's happened. Then he goes, oh, it was actually me that did that. Oh. And and like I said earlier, I, I've just loved stories. And I, I think a lot of us have grown up with stories, haven't we? I think, I think we've all grown up with stories of how our grandparents were, or our families were in different airlines from Cyprus during the invasions and the wars. And mm. I think that kind of relates to us, through hip-hop as well. Like other people have, have um, had that as well in their lives experienced it too. And it kind of resonates with us, which is why I think without realising it, yeah. we're drawn to that kind of music in a, in a way, if that makes sense. Yeah. Like, it's, like yeah. exactly what you just said, yeah, so yeah. it
0: makes a lot of sense. And that rise from poverty, I think there's something about uh, that rags to riches narrative. Yeah. I think that speaks to, to Greek secrets, because a lot of, I presume it was the same for your grandparents as well. So many of our grandparents came over in, in total poverty situation for poverty they're, they're living in really dire circumstances and building themselves up so that our um the grandkids us our generation um I don't know how old you are now I'm maybe a little bit older than you I'm 38 but I'm but but our generation kind of is the sort of culmination of the hard work and ethic that hard work ethic that the grandparents really fought for their survival Mm -hmm. and built businesses up and and I can see this I guess in a way what you're describing with the work ethic of of the hip-hop orchestra that you said earlier you're going to work doubly hard than everyone else Mm -hmm. and I imagine that that's kind of learned as well that you've learned that ethic from from the, the community or from your family yeah. and that there's there's something in the music that chimes with that as well that it is a music about working hard and making yeah. it and yeah
1: <laughs> Sorry, I, 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 could, I couldn't say it any better because we're exactly in a situation where our grandparents did come over with nothing and they built up six, these amazing lives for for us all and I've we've obviously both seen like how, how truly hard our parents and our grandparents worked. Mm. And it's kind of, yeah. I used to watch how hard it would work, come out home exhausted, and thinking, we've got, we, we're so blessed to have these, these lovely, like these lucky lives now that I want to help them out now as well. Mm. So that's why it all, it all kind of relates so well with you, so like hard from rags po- like, to riches, that like poverty to earning a lot of money. And it's just I would I just kind of built in me now that that work ethic of outworking working everyone else now because what I get sad about is seeing people with such god giving gifts at things but it don't work to make the most of it. They're so lazy or mm. they can't be bothered. But I I want to work to make sure that I can pay back people that are looked after me and mm. it's I, for me. I, hard work means everything for me like I want to work to make sure that I can have a good life now make sure that my family and I mean the next generations are looked after as well now and yeah. it's just like you said it's been inbuilt into us now to work harder what you need in your life yeah
0: exactly mm. yeah so there's something about a, a carrying on and a passing on of, mm. of your experience and handing it over to the next generation or something yeah
1: like yeah be saying, yeah because yeah. like you say that we've both seen how hard our families have worked from nothing coming over to a brand new country with nothing and mm-hmm. building up this stuff it's really it's amazing and that's what really inspires me mm-hmm. I look up to my parents a lot my, my grandparents and those around us that have worked damn hard to get to have a successful life and it's just that's what it all comes out is hard work and dedication to get to where you need in life and I love that Mm. really really love it here
0: yeah (laughs) and and kind of connecting that to what you said also about the music and disability that Mm. um I suppose in your in your situation you're combining that with this additional aspect of having dyspraxia, mm. and again, how music transcends all of that and provides opportunity, creativity, connectivity, um, and speaks to people. Um, I guess that's in a way what you're demonstrating, and in that combining of two genres, classical and hip hop, the idea of connecting again. You know, it's yeah. it, they're, they're different, but they are complementary. So.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's so true, and I'm just so lucky that I started started it in the first place because mm. I've actually like I've, I've I've been really lucky to achieve a lot through it to, and to meet some of the best people I could ever imagine through it. Mm. And I just want to make sure that everyone else out there can can do whatever they want to in life. Just put your mind to it, work hard, you, you will get there. It's just it's simple. Mm. And because the thing with this generation too as well, I realize is things like social media and that kind of thing. that had that the big part of mental health too. People don't want to, I've as well, a lot of people just want instant fame or instant gratification or instant money, mm-hmm. not realising that you actually need to work hard to get to where you need in life. And I want to portray to people that, yes, I've achieved a lot in life, but I wasn't, yeah, I was lucky as well, but I've had to work to get to that level. So, yeah, if I could do it with the disadvantage that I've got I fl- to flip it into an advantage mm. so can you what's stopping you mm. I mean, and we got we're so lucky Lord, to have things like internet and like talking over zoom like this now as well okay. and you hear like hey <laughs> it, it's just we've got anything that you could ever ask for yeah what's stopping you don't be lazy don't say I haven't got time I haven't got the equipment like you live you live you're if you've got a roof above your head food and water and the digital thing, that Wi-Fi. Mm. There's no excuse not to get to where you want because you p- people also lack discipline as well. I realise. discipline is a big part in life. Mm. I've had to give up a lot of things that I wanted to do mm. in order to get to where I deserve to be. Mm. When other people like partying and getting drunk or smoking, I was at home working and working on my craft. Yeah, and. That's what people don't want. They want the best of both was to go out with friends and party and get drunk, whatever it might be. You still get paid billions to do nothing. I want to be an influencer. I want to be this. It's not that easy. Mm. It's not, you've got you've got to give up something in life mm. to get to where you deserve to. Our parents didn't complain about stuff like that, or our grandparents, they go on with it. Yeah. They can for generations, like, oh, just shut up, get on with it, stop complaining. Mm. And, like, that kind of inbuilt me in me as well, like I don't want to complain about stuff. Yeah, we all have road bumps in the, on the way. Everyone does. I'm not going to sit there and cry about it. You all have problems. Just sort it out. Get on with it. And that's what I try and tell people as well. Like, everyone has problems. Just don't dwell on your problems each, every single time. Can you sort it out? Yes, I can. Sort it out then. Get on with it. Let's go. And yeah, it's just, I do get a little bit angry sometimes when people are complaining about literally everything. Mm. Um, but I just, I I'm, I'm ask I'm a positive person. Yeah. Just, just Think positive, work hard, bad things will happen, just get overcome it and move on and it will be worth it in the end.
0: What do you think, what do you find in your opinion that people are complaining about when you say it, it, it annoys you? What, what do you find people are saying?
1: It's like, say for instance, uh, or a lot of people complain about time that I haven't got time for stuff. Yet yeah, they all sit on Netflix for like four or five hours, or their phone. It would take like this for like three hours just doing this. Mm. You could do so much in a few hours if you just put your phone away and do a bit of work. Mm. But here's the thing as well: is like. Like, time, for me, time. People go, I ain't got time for that. But yeah, they'll, they'll talk about every series they watch on Netflix. They'll binge watch, like, every series on Netflix or TV. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they won't work on what their, their idea might be, their business or whatever it might be. Mm-hmm. They'll happily watch TV for six hours straight, but not work on something.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And it's, it's stuff like that for me is, like, you do have time in the day. Mm-hmm. It's just that you lack like the discipline to actually work on what you want to Mm-hmm. You might have a brilliant idea for something, but you're too lazy to work on it. I'll do it tomorrow. I'll do it tomorrow. I'll do it tomorrow. so you your phone for four hours, watch Netflix for five hours. You've mm-hmm. got time to do something. You do a nine to five job, fine, brilliant. But then what are you doing for the next few hours after that?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Are you working on your project? Are you working on the idea that you had? Are you working on bettering yourself? Mm-hmm. Yes, amazing. If not, what are you doing? Even if like say an hour a day, Mm. that can accommodate into so much during the week. That's like seven hours a week Mm. at least. Mm. Even that half like an hour a day, half an hour, hour a day to do something to help you to where you want to get in life. It's better than sitting on TV or your phone for hours a day. Mm. I mean, don't give me a while on my phone. We're all sat on our phones back to sit like texting people or checking stuff for hours, but for the most part, it's just that time you're wasting on doing nothing, you could actually be working on something to get better, read a book or a podcast or starting a business or...
2: Mm.
1: You know, I think that's kind of my biggest thing that annoys me. It's yeah. just people are complaining about time. and yeah. have time. They've got plenty of time going out and doing other bits, haven't you? Yeah. Yeah.
0: So the kind of the power of now and the power of the work ethic and... Yeah. And I guess you're making that distinction to between obviously people who... Obviously there are people with very genuine legitimate mental health concerns where, yeah. where that, that's just not a, a possibility for them. Yeah. And I and I guess you're talking about people who um aren't necessarily suffering in that way, but it, it's a it's a case of um I wonder is it like self-belief or yeah I or think so. That,
1: yeah. Yeah, because like you just said like obviously there are some people out there with genuine concerns and obviously I I completely feel for them. That's that's completely different. Um, but it's just those uh, that like that self-belief thing where mm. they'll have these incredible ideas for, for things, but they're too scared to actually take that, that leap or that first step to actually work towards it.
2: Mm. We've
1: all heard it like the first step is the hardest, but once you take it, is is easy. I've just always been that. i have that mindset of if it's, if I think it's a great idea, I'll just dive in head first and do it. Mm. But I'd rather I I kind of that, that mindset of if it works, brilliant. If not, at least I tried. Yeah,
0: yeah. At least,
1: at least I tried. I, felt, I would rather live a life of at least I tried.
0: Yeah.
1: Rather than, oh, I wish I did that no younger. I wish I did that. I wish I would have asked that. I would have wish I would have done that. I don't mind looking stupid for five minutes, knowing that at least I tried at something.
2: Yeah.
1: Because there's there's more failures than success stories.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: You don't hear this, you don't hear the failures behind the scenes to get to it like. You just see, you just see the Amazons, the the apples, those kind of companies, mm. but they failed so many times before that to get to where they are. Mm. But success is built on failures. I've kind of got that mindset. Like at least I tried. Yeah. That Didn't work. Next, next. Okay, don't dwell on it. Move on to the next thing. How about this one? Okay, let's try that. Yeah. But I've realized as well that if you to what you you need to find what you're obsessed with. I've realized as well. Like finding an obsession like for me education knowledge and podcasting that's my new that's my new obsession now mm. so i'm working on a brand new business business for podcasts for schools now mm. take podcasts into schools which i've just created actually during the summer break that's been my obsession my first obsession was was music obviously if it still is mm. and the orchestra mm. but that also helps to sell whatever you're working on as well if, you, if you're trying to work on something that you're not happy with I wouldn't do it because mm-hmm. it's like you're forcing it out rather than you you selling yourself because people buy into you first I realized mm-hmm. if you're so passionate about something they can see in your way you're talking your manner your eyes like oh this person loves what they're talking about this must be fantastic and they'll buy into you so I realized that Working on something you're really passionate about and obsessed with, that will get you really far in life. Yeah. And at the same time, when you feel like whatever you're working on is not bringing you any joy anymore, you feel like you've hit a brick wall there, either stop it completely or just put a hold on it for a while because it's, no, it's it just causing you mental health issues. If you're trying to force something like you're not happy with or it's not working just stop it we have to because i stopped a few things recently that were causing me a little bit of unhappiness and the minute i just let them go it's like my burdens were just released
2: mm.
1: it's like i'm holding on to extra weight for no reason that makes sense. like i'm trying to bring these weights but like still trying to get something out of it but it wasn't working quite well so the minute i let them go just clears your mind of so much thinking i guess i can fully focus now on this Mm. what i need to do now so i've learned a lot of lessons in life especially just something with the um, orchestra i've learned a huge amount of when to let go of things or what to focus on how to talk to people how to encourage people who to trust who not to trust as well and Mm. other bits as well you just learn so much i learn how to read people as well and Just have to bring the best out of people as well, and you just learn so much in life through whatever you might be doing. Is knowing when to go for something and not to do something, you just learn so much, and being brave enough just to do that as well. Because letting go of something is equally as important as starting something, yeah. Yeah. Because, yeah, because you might start a project or business that you've loved so long but now it's got to the point where it's not moving on anymore. And people try and hold on to it for dear life, thinking, I can still try and get something out of that. I can still try and get something out of that. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: But it's just bringing you less joy than it's worth. Mm -hmm. So learning just to let go of that will just help your mental health so much as well, and physical health as well. It's like a whole burden to be released. So letting go of things that aren't bringing you joy is equally as important as starting something, that that that, that step into moving into that direction. Does
0: mm-hmm. that make sense? Yeah, yeah. 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 And how did you let go? How do you do that?
1: How did you do it? After a while of trying, I realised that it just wasn't me joy anymore. Like, for instance, with the orchestra now, I've pretty much stopped it now, unfortunately, because we were doing so well, like, incredibly well with it. Thank God. And when COVID hit, obviously that destroyed a lot of things for obviously for everyone. Um, and it wasn't until I say, obviously time this recording about a month, month and a half ago, I was still trying to push the orchestra to do things and we were getting calls and getting canceled or just getting blanked or ghosted or whatever. I thought, you know what? It just finally hit me. I can't do this no more. I just can't do it anymore. I mean, my passion just went out the window. I've been doing this for nine years now. 2012, I started the orchestra. And I've been so passionate about it. Every day was, was a new, exciting day. Like, I could do this with it, I could do that with it. But it got to that point where I'm thinking, my heart is just not in it anymore. I just can't. And I just had to be brave enough and like, just let the guys know, say, look guys, of bad news. I, I just can't do this anymore. I I can't physically do this anymore. I'm working so hard for nothing,
2: mm.
1: for absolutely nothing. i mean, no, got no performances coming up, no recordings, no work. I'm, and I don't want to carry on working for something that I don't, without saying band I don't care about anymore.
2: Mm.
1: My heart is just not there anymore. And I like to think that I'm still at a young enough age where I can start something brand new now. Mm. So I let everyone know. There's always obviously a chance to start again, obviously. I'm still keeping the option open. Still not fully, fully closed. Still doors open for the future. But mm-hmm. I'd have to be brave enough and say, guys, I can't do this no more. Mm-hmm. And they were all behind, fully behind me thinking, we've had the best time with you guys. Thank you so much for everything. And we're always here for you. Mm-hmm. And it's just the people that you have around you that makes things so much easier
0: mm-hmm.
1: as well. Because if you work with people that kind of... you don't always like working with or that makes things harder. But when you're working with a team of incredible people that makes things so much easier for you, it makes those steps a little bit easier. Obviously it's difficult. There's no easy way around it, but you've just got to go for it and do it. Mm. And then once you're brave enough to take these first steps when it's like something brand new or letting go or something, mm. it's like a massive weight has been lifted off. You're thinking, ah, I can now, refocus on what I love doing now and I say people just need to be have that bit more self-belief in doing what they they know they're good at and that's why I to talk to my friends that you can do this I've done it I just went for it and I've done it why are you doing you you can do this you're you're beyond talented you're more you are way more talented than I've ever been but people just lack that self-belief of just taking that first step they're too scared to actually go for it Mm. I'm not saying I'm, I'm talented t- t- in any way I'm not but I've just worked hard to get to that level that I can kind of get away with it but um
0: are you undermining your own talents there okay I'm amazing I'm, I'm sure amazing,
1: amazing
0: talent, but <laughs> you.
1: thank you part. yeah oh thank you but I, I had something there with music don't get me wrong but I'm not one of the big people think oh, I'm, I'm an amazing musician I'm an amazing composer." I just, yeah, well, I'm all right, but the people I work with are better than me. I know that. Mm. I know that they're better than I could ever be. Mm. But um, it's just, I just had that, don't care what people think about me how to shoot. That's a big thing as well, But social media as well. People are care to think of what other people think about them.
0: Mm.
1: I don't care. This is me. Um, That's it, isn't it? Yeah, like I'm a, I'm a bit weird. I don't care. I don't care what people think about me. This mm. is my idea. I love going to work. I want to work harder than you. Mm. And whilst you're still depending about stuff, I'm gonna succeed in life because you're just sitting there messing about. Mm. I don't care. Mm. And I'm. Um, <laughs> it just makes you so much happier as well and less stressed about stuff.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: People want to impress everyone else non-stop. They want to make sure that everyone's happy, but then you're the one that's left unhappy.
2: Mm.
1: so do what makes you happy
2: Mm
1: -hmm. don't care about what people think about you just don't care Mm
2: -hmm.
1: and trust me the work you put out will be be an extension of you because if you're happy and loving what you're doing it shows Mm. because when I was on stage with the orchestra we had the best time and we could shut up like like dancing, having fun, joking, laughing and it makes the performance so much better yeah and they can see that when you're having fun, they're having fun. And people want to experience it even more with you. And we we'll, would we'll get like DMs after think, Oh, we had the best time. We could tell that you're having so much fun. And we were having so much fun as well. And it just makes everything so much easier and better. So do what you love. Don't care about what people think about you. And the results will show for themselves. Yeah.
0: yeah.
1: Simple. And-
0: perfect. That's a perfect <laughs> note. That's a perfect note to end that on. Yeah, yeah thank you. Um, I, 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 <laughs> thank you. And and I, how do how do you want people to get hold of you? So where, where would they? Yeah. Yeah.
1: So we're, we're everything. So uh, for my personal accounts is Giorgio Cividis uh, on all. So G E O R G I O and Cividis is S A W I D E S. Apart from Twitter, because someone took my name. Is um, g l <laughs> so GIO and the orchestra is the hip hop orchestra on everything. Um, apart from I think is Twitter can't play the all on this. It's just the hip hop orc. I think it is on that one. Um, the podcast is everywhere. Hip hop orchestra presents as well, and also watch out for a brand new podcast which I started for school. It's called Keep It Thirty, which I'll since yeah so yeah but we're actually everywhere you can't miss us
0: <laughs> fantastic so you're happy for anyone interested either whether they're simply wanting to message you to say they like it or they want to collaborate or anything yeah. like that. you're happy for anyone to be in touch
1: more than happy thank you yeah. so much yeah
0: well, you're really welcome uh,
1: and
0: is there a song you might end on that we could you whether it's your own favourite song that means a lot to you or something yeah. from the hip-hop orchestra that you you would want us to end on?
1: Oh, I've got so many, but um it's gone for one of my personal favourites, actually. Not from, well, my, something to do with the orchestra, they're my, all my favourites, but I've got too many to pick from from there. But from a personal standpoint, which gets me through the day as well, is an instrumental piece called Impossible by Two Sets From Hell. And it's, roughly i think like seven eight, minutes, seven eight minutes long but this is a piece of music that i just i'm obsessed with it's got every emotion you can think of and it just helps to motivate make motivate me as well in my day so impossible by two Steps from hell oh, yeah. oh, wow.
0: i'll play a little bit of that at the end
1: <laughs> thank you thank, <laughs> oh, thank you so much. so much it's
0: been brilliant